Sir Balper and the team of Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. My guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his second appearance in less than a week with a view to analyzing all league division series, is, is, is the managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron. And in what follows, Dave Cameron analyzes all league division series again because they're not over. Um, except for the one that is over, and that's the one where we start Atlanta and Los Angeles. Of course, uh, Los Angeles took that. They took game four, starting Clayton Kershaw uh, on a mere three days rest. Kershaw pitched well. Juan Uribe hit a notable home run, and the Dodgers are the first team to qualify for the LCS, the League Championship Series. Dave Cameron mostly analyzes that Los Angeles-Atlanta series, uh, but of course touches on the other three active series uh, so far as they're constituted. So that's it. That is, uh, what is it? it uh, it's... Fangraphs Audio. It features managing editor of Fangraphs, Dave Cameron, analyzing LDSs, although not Mormons at all. Uh, no Mormons. Um, and and it begins right now. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I've been up for a while. I just haven't like spoken any words, so you know. Oh just, yeah, you're just uh, reacquainting yourself with uh, humanity. Yeah. Well, I mean, as as this is anyway. Yes. There you go. Well, you got you got a dig in already. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's part of my waking up routine. <laughs> uh, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. 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 I I myself I'm waking up from a from a nap, an official nap. What time is it over there? Like 6 p.m. or something? 5, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. Not yeah. bad? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I did a little late, late afternoon nap. I'm trying to, still trying to find, um, the ideal schedule, but not complaining about it, of course. Right. Yeah. You, you enjoying the Paris life? Yeah, a little bit. They, uh, again, they don't speak English out on right. the streets. Makes, makes it hard, huh? It does, yeah. But I found a couple of, I mean, I found some establishments. Part of the problem is that I have found enough places now where I can just speak English. Right. That uh, my incentive, actually, for learning the language, um, is uh, is diminishing. Right. Um, which is, uh, I mentioned that to someone the other day, uh, a guy who actually was from Spain, uh, from um, Chile originally. I said, yeah, I've found a number of places where I can just speak English. He said, this is a bad idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He said, you should probably learn the language. Oh, well, you know, it's a question of incentives, isn't it, Cameron? Yeah, I mean, if you're only going to be there for 10 months, is it reasonable to think you can learn the language in 10 months? Mm, certainly not as well as French people think you should know it. Right. Um, yeah, so it's a question about that. Let's, uh, let's see. Dave Cameron, let us talk about playoff baseball. Let's focus, uh, for a couple reasons, but mostly because the, um, it's no longer a thing. Let's focus on the, uh, Atlanta Los Angeles series. Okay. Yeah, that series is over. Yeah, that series is over. Uh, well, I guess it's over for a couple of uh, um, Clayton Kershaw pitched in that game. He did. He was pretty well. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so let's start there. He's a starter. Uh, Jeff Sullivan wrote a pretty good piece yesterday uh, with regard to um, to starting Clayton Kershaw, and I was actually surprised to find uh, I had known I think that that when starters come back on three days rest, as Kershaw was doing, they don't do particularly well. It turns out like. Um, if you take for granted that the, the, the pitchers who are coming back on short rest are probably the better pitchers anyway, yeah. And, and then you also include the fact that they've allowed like, like I don't know, like uh, more than half a run per game, 
um, more than the other pitchers? That's not very good. Yeah, it's almost probably closer to a run. I think like what we see is that pitchers on four days rest do about a, a run better than pitchers on three days rest. Uh, and, and the f- fact is the pitchers on three days rest are better pitchers than the pitchers on four days rest. So the effect is probably even a little bit larger than that. Um, so yeah, pitching on three days rest, generally maybe, maybe not a great idea if you don't have to do it. And the Dodgers didn't have to do it. Uh, you know, they were up two games to one. They were facing Freddy Garcia. Theoretically, they could have won this game with Ricky Nolasco and, and to save Kershaw and full rest for game one of the NLCS, but they've made a pretty big deal out of winning at home and they seem to, uh, put a really large emphasis on the fact that the Braves had a very good record in Atlanta this year. And they seem to be afraid of, uh, game five across the country after a long flight, even though Clayton Kershaw would have been pitching that game on full rest. A little odd, I think, uh, but you know, it worked certainly. When I mean, Kershaw was good, uh, they won the game. No, not necessarily because Kershaw shut down the, uh, Braves, but because Juan Uribe decided to play the hero. But you know, I think, uh, there was an argument for throwing Clayton Kershaw, uh, uh, simply because he's the best pitcher in the world and he probably did give them their best chance to win that game. I think you can make a pretty compelling case that this is a, a risk that was maybe a little bit unjustified. And, you know, I think for me the more interesting part is, is there a cumulative effect where if they want to throw Clayton Kershaw on three days rest in the NLCS, is this going to start to catch up with them, and did they fire their bullet too soon? Yeah, right. So that was uh, – I think that was a point brought up by Brandon McCarthy perhaps Correct. via yes. Twitter where he said uh, even if it works in this particular case, there might be, as you mentioned, a cumulative fatigue effect. Is there anything empirical to suggest that that's the case? I haven't seen any research done on second, third, fourth time starting on three days rest. I think someone's going to do that study. Maybe it will be someone at Pangraphs. I think it's an interesting thing to look at. Um, but I do think that uh, it makes sense that, you know, if a pitcher, if we believe that pitchers generally are used to a four-day rest routine, if we consistently ask them to pitch on three, uh, this is going to catch up with them. If they could just pitch as well on three days rest as they could on four, then teams would be throwing guys on three days rest, and they wouldn't worry about having a fifth starter. So I think we have to believe that there's some effect here, and it will eventually catch up with the Dodgers if they keep doing this. Am I remembering a postseason where CC Sabathia through yeah. like exclusively on three days rest and yeah. uh, the, the Brewers did this after they acquired him and they just basically rode Sabathia because he was a free agent at the end of the year. They were pretty sure they weren't going to be able to resign him, so they just said we're going to get every inning from you we possibly can. Uh, and he was dominant on three days rest the first couple times through, and then kind of fell apart at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, and of course it's hard to say. Uh, I mean, if he fell apart. He could just have had a bad start. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of it's hard. It's hard to know causation. But I right. think it makes sense to believe that uh, you know Kershaw can't start on three days rest every time all the way through the playoffs. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I can barely write. I can barely write a post on three days rest. When was the last time you wrote a post? <laughs> yeah. It was, I, well, I, uh, Josh Donaldson yesterday. Yeah, that's true. It was that was a mega that was a mega post. Uh, it was um, so yeah, it did it did work out. If we were to say, or if you were to say, what percent Clay, uh, Kershaw was of his, of like you know uh, full powered uh, Clayton Kershaw, could could you do that, or was he a hundred percent? Well, I could make up a number. I yeah, mean, okay, yeah, let's we don't have a battery reading that will allow us to scientifically answer that question, but I could just pull a number out of my rear end and say he looked like he was like 87.3%. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the big key is that he only went six innings, right? So, like, if that would have been Clayton Kershaw in full rest, there's no way they're replacing him with Ronald Belisario after he throws six innings, goes up no earned runs, 
uh, hadn't walked anybody, looked pretty good, was clearly dominating the Braves lineup for most of the game. Uh, they went to Belisario in the seventh because Kershaw was on three days rest. So if you care about pitching deep into games in, in the postseason, I think you can argue that you shouldn't, and six innings from your starter is just fine. Um, but I think if that was full rest Kershaw, he goes seven, eight, maybe even nine. Now, uh, you somehow, uh, of course, the, uh, Atlanta countered with Freddy Garcia in that game. Yeah. And you somehow performed, uh, I, I don't know what, some sort of magic with numbers where you were able to uh, conclude that starting Freddy Garcia was not necessarily a bad idea. Am I, is that correct? Yeah, well, Freddy Garcia, not actually that bad of a pitcher. And I think what we saw last night, he's basically got one serious flaw and he gives up home runs and he gave up a couple of them last night to Carl Crawford. Uh, this is his problem, is he gives up the long ball. Uh, but if he's not giving up the long ball, and you know, I think one of the things we know is the home run rates can be wildly variant from game to game, uh, even over long stretches, especially in, in West Coast ballparks, you know, if the ball's not flying very well, you can give up some balls that maybe should go, should be home runs and they die at the track, or, you know, maybe the batter just hooks it a little bit, gets out in front and hits it foul. Uh, you can get away with being a home run prone pitcher and have start three don't give up home runs, and when he doesn't give up home runs, he's perfectly good. His walks and strikeout rates are fine. Uh, you know, he gets an ordinary amount of ground balls. Uh, you know, I think everything about Freddy Garcia is a major league pitcher except for the home run rate. Uh, <clears throat> so as long as he's not giving up dingers and batches, uh, he's fine. And last night he gave up two solo home runs, so I didn't hurt him that bad. Uh, and this is what Freddy Garcia is. I think people reacting to, you know, his one-month ERA in Baltimore three months ago, uh, that's not a good way to analyze a pitcher. Wait, so so when you say that he gives up home runs, do you mean uh, beyond what we consider like a league average um, home run per uh, per fly ball, and then you know if you take a so what I mean to say is something beyond league average rate. Yes, so I think this year his home run rate was the eighteen twenty percent something like that. Uh, last year it was fifteen percent. I think you know we can make a pretty good case that uh, Freddie Garcia is the kind of pitcher who's going to run a slightly above average home run rate because he's throwing eighty six mile an hour crap over the heart of the plate at times. So I think uh, you know we see Bronson Arroyo has had this problem before a couple of years ago when he gave up forty eight home runs in a season. Uh, guys like this who who are pitch to contact kind of fly ball guys uh, with marginal stuff. Uh, they're going to have some home run problems from time to time. And, you know, it might not be sustainable over 600 innings, but Freddie Garcia is not going to throw 600 innings the rest of his career. Uh, but I think right now it's fair to say that Freddie Garcia probably uh, 1.2 to 1.3 home run per nine inning guy, and, and that's a lot for a major league starter. Uh, w- uh, last thing with regard to this series, unless uh, inspiration strikes, it, uh, concerns the, the sort of layoff, I guess, that Atlanta had. Uh, uh, you could craft a narrative which would go something like this. Uh, they, you know, they basically clinched the division, what, like a month ago or two months ago or whatever. I mean, for all intents and purposes. And then maybe that there was a letdown in intensity, uh, that they weren't playing competitive baseball up to the very end, uh, because, or they didn't need to be playing competitive baseball. And that might have somehow, um, affected them in, in the playoffs. Uh, it, I guess, question, is anyone actually, um, suggesting this narrative and secondly if if they are is there any way that we could substantiate it one way or the other i haven't seen anyone put that forward i think people kind of know that's bs now it's like in the playoffs people play as hard as they can uh and i think you know the braves were certainly trying as hard as they could to win these games i think the reality is that this braves team as currently constructed in october 
is not the team that won 96 games. This, uh, the Braves decided to bench BJ Upton after he was pretty terrible all season, but they replaced him with Evan Gaddis in left field, who played some pretty horrendous defense. Um, they decided they got tired of Dan Ugla, uh, striking out too much. So they replaced him with Elliot Johnson. Uh, Tim Hudson got hurt. Brandon Beachy got hurt. So they replaced him with Freddie Garcia. Uh, this was, you know, not a full strength Braves rostered. I think if they would have played all season with Freddie Garcia as their number four starter, Elliot Johnson as their starting second baseman, and Evan Gaddis playing uh, in left field full time, they probably wouldn't have won 96 games, and uh, you know we wouldn't have had the same opinion of of the Braves being uh, you know on par with the Dodgers. I think in this case the Braves were not on par with the Dodgers. The Dodgers were pretty clearly a better team. Uh, I think the better team won. Um, but I do think you know before we move on to the next series, we should at least give some conversation to Craig Kimbrell sitting in the bullpen, uh, watching his team fail to protect the lead while he's warming up. Uh, and, and Freddie Gonzalez's decision to, to limit Kimbrell to a four out save. He said in the press conference afterwards that he would have used Kimbrell for four outs. Six totally out of the question. Uh, I questioned this on Twitter and said, if you're already going to bring him in in the eighth inning, Maybe just get those two extra outs and just use Kimbrell and get the save and go back to Atlanta. Uh, Glenn Perkins, noted proven closer, agrees with me and says, uh, yep, there's no difference between four outs and six outs. The bridge between innings is really the annoying thing, but if you're already going to bring it in the eighth, um, you know, you should do that. I think that there's a, a legitimate question here of why Freddie Gonzalez thinks that four outs is okay, but six is not. Now, I, my guess is that Freddie Gonzalez is not the sort of um, pitcher – or sorry, not the sort of manager to to deploy Craig Kimbrell for six outs uh, generally during the season, or or, yeah, or a four outs. <laughs> I mean, I think Kimbrell got a six out uh, performance once, but it was in a blown save. It wasn't an intentional bring him in for two innings to get to close out a game. It was a situation where he gave up the lead and then had to stay in and get a couple more outs. Um, and I think he had a six out performance before he became the closer when he was a setup guy, but. Generally, the Braves have been very traditional with Kimbrel. He's gone three outs, sometimes four, but they've never pushed him beyond that. And uh, to be fair, David Carpenter uh, did have a pretty excellent season. He did, but he also had been pretty terrible as recently as last year. His ERA last year was 8.07, and he was cut loose by the Astros. And when the Astros decide that they don't need you uh, as a pitcher, <laughs> you're, you're not very good. Uh, so I do think that there's some sample size issues where David Carpenter had 60 excellent innings, but you shouldn't let 60 excellent innings decide that you don't need Crane Kimbrell on the mound. Right, uh, right. But with Craig Kimbrell, I mean, I don't know. Is this the sort of situation where you could see Freddie Garcia... Uh, no, not Freddy, Freddy Gonzalez. Or, I mean, you could see Freddy Garcia because you have power of sight, but I'm talking about Freddy Gonzalez, where you could see next year, same situation, he brings in Kimbrel for, for six outs, or is this one of those things where he says, no, I was, uh, I was managing, um, the way I manage, and then that, that's it. Yeah, I don't think that Freddie Gonzalez sees this as a learning opportunity at all. <laughs> I think the Braves, uh, believe that Kimbrel is only good for three or four outs. Uh, and they don't want to extend him. And, you know, there might be something to Kimbrell's genetic uh, makeup that would make him more likely to break down if they used him in that way. But I think, you know, it's kind of interesting that the team uh, that asked their pitcher and, and the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw to do something he'd never done before, Kershaw had never started on three days rest, is advancing in the playoffs uh, over a team that would not ask their closer to do something he had never done before and, and get a six-out save. I think the Dodgers, uh, right or wrong, were willing to push their players in October 
Uh, even when they didn't have to, their backs were not up against the wall. The Braves could have put, uh, you know, Chris Medlin on short rest. They didn't. They decided to go with Freddie Garcia. They could have used Craig Kimball for six outs. They didn't. They went with Chris, David Carpenter, and now they lost. You're, uh, but you're not, uh, or maybe you are suggesting that uh, the Don Mattingly and the Los Angeles Dodgers are somehow on the, the front lines of uh, progressive baseball strategy. No, I don't think this is progressive baseball strategy. I think this is how managers have been managing October for a very long time. Everyone else seems to understand that in October you kind of throw your caution to the wind and you do what you can to win. Uh, the Braves were cautious in this series, I think, with the exception of benching Diana Nagla for Elliott Johnson. That was maybe uh, caution would have been better in that case. Um, but I think in, in managing style, Freddie Gonzalez managed this like it was a regular season series and he lost. Okay, all right. Uh, well, I... I, I I think we've um, we've covered quite a bit of that series. Uh, obviously, there are some other series going on. We're not going to go through each of them. One question. Um, it seems like, and this is with regard to the St. Louis-Pittsburgh game. Of course, Michael Waka had a no-hitter into, what, the seventh inning? Seventh inning, yeah. Yeah, seventh inning. And it was broken up by a home run. I'm curious, and I don't know if this is uh, um, just speculation on my part. It seems like when no-hitters are broken up that a – a rather high percentage of the time, or higher than you might think, they're broken up by a home run. Is there anything to that, or is that just uh, imagination? Uh, I have no idea. That's yeah. uh, the kind of thing that you could have queried ahead of time and done some like research right. and preparation, and then we could have had like an interesting data point. But now you're just putting me on the spot and making me look bad. Yeah. How's it? <laughs> How do um, I'm going to speak to all the audience out there. How bad does Dave Cameron look right now? <laughs> Pretty terrible. Yeah, that's embarrassing. I guess I could have, uh, yeah, I guess I could have queried. Where would I start with that if I wanted to query that? Do I, would I look in a database of some sort? I think you would have emailed Jeff Zimmerman and said, help. <laughs> Just help, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've helped him out before. I, um, maybe, uh, maybe he owes me one. Yeah, have, have, did he need like something photoshopped? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he probably needed to put, uh, Put like a like so like a butt like someone's yeah, butt right yeah I mean it's important work someone needs to do uh, let's see so uh, that's the question there that series is tied two two Oakland Detroit um, oh yeah there was a yelling match uh, back and forth uh, I saw oh, maybe Brandon McCarthy again suggested it that uh, maybe the motivation there for Victor Martinez was trying to get his team fired up. Yeah, I think probably the motivation was, it was Grant Balfour is kind of an annoying human being, and I would imagine <laughs> if I was hitting against Grant Balfour and he just started like hurling expletives, I, and he was, you know, my team was losing and I'm frustrated, I might take offense too. I think, you know, it's not that unusual for a guy who's just, you know, hurling expletives and jumping around like a lunatic uh, to invigorate or to invigorate in, in instigate uh, some kind of uh, altercation. Yeah. And, then, you know, I think uh, anyone yelling at Grand Balfour probably, you know, it's probably earned. Justified to, to yeah. some degree. Uh, finally, Boston, Tampa Bay. Um, uh, <laughs> Joe Madden is magical. He, he sent uh, Jose Lobatone up to bat. And he knew he was the one man who could conquer Koji Uehara. <laughs> yeah, no, Joe Madden got very lucky. I think it was, <laughs> it was the reality. Jose Lobatone, uh, as Jeff Sullivan wrote this morning, uh, hit a very well-located split finger. Koji Uehara's split finger is one of the best pitches in baseball. He's been dominating uh, hitters with it all season long. Um, it wasn't hung. It wasn't a bad location. It wasn't a bad pitch. He threw a good pitch, and Jose Lobaton, the, the team's backup catcher, uh, drove it into their fish tank. 
uh, shark tank, raised tank, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's one of those things where you just smile and say, baseball is hilarious. And Don Mattingly actually after the game yesterday, someone asked him about like DeWan Uribe home run and he said, the playoffs are stupid, aren't they? <laughs> and this is the winning manager recognizing that all of this is just ridiculous. And Jose Lobaton hitting a home run off Koji Uara is about as ridiculous as baseball gets. Well, yeah, I've seen, a, I think uh, Sullivan looked at of uh, the other whatever X number of pitches that you are had thrown uh, splitters you are thrown to same general location and hadn't he gotten swings and misses on like 27 of 39 or something? Yeah, it was a really good pitch and I think uh, you know in most times if Uehara throws that pitch to Lobaton it's strike two. It's uh, you know it was in a good location it wasn't out of the strike zone but it wasn't really a hittable pitch uh, at least on a, on a normal swing. Uh, Lobaton just. Uh, maximized his physical and mental abilities and and kind of had the moment of his life. Yeah. Yeah, good job. Uh congratulations Joe Madden for hitting for hitting a home run through Jose Lobaton. Yeah, the funny thing is he had to hit Lobaton because they had to do a double switch because they'd already previously uh eliminated the DH in which I thought was like an interesting decision, maybe not the wrong one, but when Will Myers uh, had to leave the game, they chose to give up Matt Joyce as the DH and move him into the field, meaning that they would have the pitcher's spot due up behind Evan Longoria the rest of the game. Um, rather than put Delman Young or Sam Fold or Kelly Johnson in the field, uh, you know, I think the more traditional call would have just been to use one of your bench players and pr- keep the DH. Uh, but Madden said, you know what, we're eight, in the eighth inning. Uh, it's not a big deal if I give up the DH because I'm probably going to be pinch hitting uh, with Young or, or you know, um, one of the other guys on my bench anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the double switch was essentially necessitated to keep the pitcher's spot further away uh, and Lobatone hit in that situation because of the earlier decision to move Matt Joyce from DH to the field. Uh, so this is one of those instances where I think Madden, you know, might have been slightly overmanaging, but, you know, it worked. Yeah, it did. Okay, and I think that uh, you've done your work uh, for this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Cool, I will take the rest of the day off then. Yeah, okay, <laughs> right, you can go back to bed now. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, thank you, uh, thank you, thank you, Dave Cameron. Thank you. It's Dave Cameron, Managing Editor of Fangraphs. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been a playoff edition, a scintillating playoff edition of Fangraphs Audio. Mm-hmm.